Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. In today's Shear on Parshas Re'eh, I would like to discuss two major tendencies that later commentators noticed in the way Rashi approaches his commentary to the Torah. Number one, principle number one, is that if there is a contradiction or a seeming contradiction between two verses in the Torah, Rashi usually does not address this until he comes to the second Pusik. And this can be understood very simply and logically. When we see a Pusik in the Torah that says that uh, the nighttime is dark, for example, so, okay, that's what it says. It's only when we come to a later Pusik that says the nighttime is, is bright, is brightly lit, so then we have to wonder and we have to ask, how could it contradict itself? This is a general principle in Rashi's commentary, that he does not generally ask a contradiction from a later Pasuk when he is discussing an earlier Pasuk. When he is discussing the Pasuk in front of him, he will generally not say, oh, but it says 20 psukim later, the opposite. There are exceptions, as we will see, but this is the general principle. Uh, those who are interested in looking this up, you can find it in the Sefer Klale Rashi, Perik Zion, Klal 11. This is a sefer based on the teachings, on the sichas that the Lubavitcher Rebbe gave on Rashi. Uh, tendency number two of Rashi, and this one is a little harder to understand, but ten, a tendency that is pointed out by at least some of the great super commentaries on Rashi is that sometimes the question that Rashi writes is not his main question. He is using a question that he found in the Gemara or the Midrash and the answer that the Gemara or the Midrash gives to answer a different unwritten question. So when Rashi writes a question explicitly, that very often, according to some of Hashem, always is not his main question. His main question is in the Pasuk itself, and my personal opinion is, is that Rashi expects us, he demands of us, to read the Pasuk very carefully and to know what is difficult about the Pasuk. So if, uh, when there is a difficulty in the Pasuk itself, Rashi doesn't write that, he expects us to notice it ourselves. When Rashi does explicitly write a question, that's because, for whatever reason, this question is not as obvious, and it is not really his main question, but he is using it in order to arrive at a certain point. Let us begin with an example, I think, of a difficult Rashi comment that can be explained using these principles. So let's begin in Parshish for A. This is um, Perik Tes Vav, Pasik Aleph. And here the Torah begins to discuss the mitzvah of Shemitah, not the Shemitah that we are more familiar with, 
of Shemitah's Karkoyas. Not that we, that uh, when we are in Eretz Yisrael, we must uh, leave the land fallow and not do work on the land every seventh year, but rather a different aspect of Shemitah, that if we loan someone money, so when it comes to the seventh Shemitah year, the loan is forgiven, it's released. And the Pasuk says, Mikates Sheva Shanim Shemitah. At the end of every seven-year cycle, you will make a Shemitah, you will make a release. The Zed Var HaShemitah, and this is the law, this is the matter of the Shemitah, this is the content of this Shemitah, Shamoit Kol Balmasheh Yodo, that each Balmasheh, each Balchayv, each lender shall allow his hand to slide away from the loan. He will give up uh, his expectation of receiving payment for his loan. Asher Yasheh any loan that he has lent to his friend. Lo ghost esri'ehu b'yesachiv. He shall not approach his fellow or his brother. He shall not approach a fellow Jew and demand payment for his loan. Ki Hashem. Because Shemitah has been called out for Hashem. So if you lend me money, of course I have an obligation to pay back. But when it comes to the seventh year, you have to let it slide. Pasigimel. The non-Jew, the foreigner, you may approach during the seventh year and demand payment. However, that which you have, a loan that you have with your brother, with a fellow Jew, you must let your hand slide away. Ephes, only, however, you will not have any poor people. There will be nobody so poor that he's going to need to have a loan. Because Hashem will bless you. In the land that Hashem, your God, is giving to you as an inheritance to inherit. Let's continue just to drop. Rock only. But this is only if you will listen very well to the voice of Hashem, your God, lishmer la'asais is called a mitzvah hazais, to keep and to do all of this mitzvah, asher anachim mitzavcha hayon, that I am commanding you today. Let's take a look at our Rashi. Again, the first few psukim told us there's a, there's a mitzvah of shemitas ksafim, that you must release monetary loans when it comes to the seventh year of Shemitah. Then the Pasuk says, However, really there won't be any poor people who will require these loans. Rashi says, Rashi asks Kirakasha, Well, the Halan Huaymer later, in Pasukut Aleph, it says, It says a few psukim later, we'll look at it soon, it says a few psukim later, that the Evyon, the poor, will not cease to inhabit the land. There'll, there will always be poor people. Before we see Rashi's answer, let's take a look at this other Pasuk. If we continue along in the Psukim, it says here that if there will be a poor man, you should not uh, harden your heart and refuse to open up your hand to give him a loan or to give him a, a monetary gift. Rather, you should 
open up your hand to him and give him what he needs. And you should be very careful not to say that uh, I'm not going to lend him money because in seven years' time or in less than seven years' time, Shemitah is going to come and I'm not going to get back the money. Be careful not to think that, not to say that, and not to act in that way. But rather, you must give him the money. And now the Pasuk concludes, Pasuk Yudalef, because the poor will not cease from being in the land. In other words, this is, this is a reality. Some people are very poor, and some people need loans, and therefore, some people even need gifts, and therefore, I'm telling you, you have to lend them money, and don't look for a loophole. Therefore, I'm commanding you to say, Open up your hand to your brother, to your poor man, as an even more uh, impoverished person, that are in your land. So here it says, The poor shall not cease to be in the land. And in our Pasuk that we read, in Pasuk Dalit it says, There will not be any poor. So there's a contradiction. Rashi raises the contradiction. Rashi says, but later on it says, it says in a later Pasuk that the poor will not cease. So what's going on? Are there going to be poor people or are there not going to be poor people? Hello, rather, Rashi gives an answer. At a time when you are doing the will of Hashem, when you are good and you do all the mitzvahs, then there will be there will be poor people amongst others, meaning amongst other nations. And you, they might ask you for loans, and you can give them loans, and you can demand the money back when the time comes. But not amongst yourselves. Meaning amongst the Jews, there won't be any, there won't be any poor people. That's when you do the will of Hashem. But when you do not do the will of Hashem, when you are not careful about the mitzvahs, then the evyonim will be amongst you. So this Pasuk which says, there will not be poor people, this is talking when we do the mitzvahs. And in fact, we see that from the next couple of psukim. In the next verse, it says, This is only if you will listen very well to the voice of Hashem, your God. So this Pasuk is talking when we do the will of Hashem. The Pasuk later on, which says, which gives us, uh, which, uh, which exhorts us to lend money to those who need it and not to demand payment during Shemitah, that Pasuk is talking when we don't do the will of Hashem. And therefore, there will always be poor people. So a very good answer. However, Rashi seems to be breaking his own rule. We have here in Pasuk Dal that it says there won't be any poor. And what's Rashi's kasha? Lahalon hu emer in Pasuk Yudalef, in a later Pasuk, kilo there won't be any poor. Now, logically, and according to the rule that we presented, Rashi should have waited with this kasha. If this Pasuk says, Okay, that's a promise that Hashem is making. That's how it is, that's how it is. 
Later, when Rashi would come to Pasuk Aleph, he could have asked the question, how could Pasuk Aleph say, Lo there won't be any poor people. Didn't you say before that there, uh, that there will never cease to be poor people? How could you say that? Didn't you previously say that there won't be poor people? That would have been both more logical and more in consonance with Rashi's general practice. But here, Rashi seems to break his own rule. And he, he's studying and commenting on an earlier Pusik, and he's asking on it that a later Pusik contradicts it. So he seems to be breaking his own rule. The answer, I believe, an answer, is to invoke the second principle that we said about Rashi. And that is that when Rashi explicitly writes a question, it's not his main question. His main question is something that is much simpler, that is in the Pasuk itself. The question that he writes is part of his procedure, part of his mechanism for arriving at, an ans at his answer to his main question. Now, let's go back and see, is there a difficulty in this Pasuk, Pasuk Dalit, in and of itself, without referring to any later Pasuk? And I think there definitely is. And I think there's a question that other Mepharshim address, and they address it in very interesting ways, but I think Rashi is addressing it in his way. The truth is, Pasuk, the Aleph based Gimel, in and of themselves, are a contradiction to Pasuk Dalit. Pasuk Aleph based Gimel say that when you loan money to a Jew, of course he has to pay back, that's understood, but when it comes to the seventh year, Shamoit Kobal Mashe Yado, every loan, every lender has to let it slide and forgive the loan. Now, why do people borrow money? And when we're talking in the Chumash, we're not talking about a contemporary modern capitalistic society where people buy money for investments. People who want to build a, a skyscraper in order to rent it out and make millions of dollars. So they don't have the millions of dollars to build, build the skyscraper to start with. They borrow it from the bank. But that's not the kind of loan that we are talking about in the Chumash. And the Chumash, when the Chumash talks about loaning money, it's talking about someone who is really hard up for cash. He, he needs the money for his daily expenses and he doesn't have. And therefore he comes to you for a loan. So Pasek Aleph Beis Gimel's are talking about a person who really needs the money just to get by. And he asks for a loan and it says, okay, lend him the money and every seventh year you have to let it go. Very good. Pasik Dalit in and of itself contradicts those psukim. Pasik Dalit says, there won't be any poor people. Well, if there won't be any poor people, why did the Torah give me the halachas of what to do when a poor man comes to me and asks for a loan? And the truth is, if we look at some of the other Mepharshim, we can see they were addressing this question. Rashbam, Rabbi Shmuel ben Meir, who happened to be Rashi's own grandson, he says, only there will not be any poor among you. He says just a few words. Im tashmeit, if you will release the loans in the seventh year, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yishalem will pay you back. In other words, he understands that this Pasuk, is not 
um, is not making some sort of a sociological promise that there won't be any poor people in the land of Israel. There won't be any poor Jews. No, there might be poor Jews. It's saying, if you, the wealthy man, if you're a good boy and you lend money to the poor and you let the loans slide during the seventh year, you won't become poor. You will be blessed by Hashem. You will be rewarded for your mitzvah with a promise that you yourself will not become poor. A very interesting explanation, but for our purposes, what's most interesting is that he is addressing the question that Pasuk Aleph Beis Gimel seemed to contradict Pasuk Dalit. It seems to be a stira right here. You don't have to know anything else. You don't have to know any sukkim later on. You don't have to be a, a, a know-it-all. If you just read these four psukim, the first three don't, sit, don't seem to fit together with the fourth. So he adjusts the fourth Pasuk. He says, it's not saying that there won't be any poor people. It's saying you, if you behave properly and you lend money and you are willing to let the loans be forgiven in the seventh year, you will not become a poor man. Chizkuni, Rabbi Chizkiah ben Menoyach, a later commentator who very often comments on Rashi, he, he in this case does not comment on Rashi, he presents his own explanation. And I'll read here also a few words. If you will keep the laws of Shemitah and the laws of Yovel of the 50th year, then there will be no poor amongst you. Why? Those poor people who find it necessary to sell themselves and their daughters as Evidivri or Amevriya as Jewish servants, Khoizun Bishmita, but they'll come home during Shmita, which is a little difficult because really in Evidivri and an Amevriya they don't come home in the seventh year of Sh well anyway, they will come home during Shmita. The Im Yeshulov Khoiv, and if the poor man, if the needy person has a uh, a debt, he owes money, but they will forgive the loan every seventh year. And in every 50th year of Yovel, so his, the sale of his ancestral property will come back. Anyone who sells from his fields, so every 50th year, the fields go back to the original owner. So what Chizkuni is saying is, if you will keep these laws in general, some of the laws are not actually mentioned here, but if you will keep this law of releasing loans every seventh year and releasing servants from their servitude every seventh year and giving back real property, giving back karka, giving back real estate that has been sold every 50th year, if you put all of it together, you will have a society in which People may be temporarily needy for money, but there will be no permanent impoverished class because those who have to borrow money, eventually the, the loans will be forgiven. Those who become so impoverished, they have to sell themselves into servitude, but eventually they will, be, they will have their freedom. And those who have to sell their real estate, which was a particularly, it's always valuable even today, but particularly in an agricultural society, but even those who were 
so hard up for money. They had to sell their real estate, but they will get the real estate back. It is, according to Chizkuni, it's sort of uh, describing uh, not a socialist utopia, but a certain kind of economic utopia that the Torah is designing for us. That although there is personal property and there is personal responsibility, but the sum total of all the laws will create permanent states of poverty. But what is the question that he is trying to answer? He's trying to answer this question that we're talking about. How could it be the first three psukim talk about poor people borrowing money and, 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 and certain laws regarding their repayment, and then the next Pasuk says there won't be any poor people? He's answering that by saying there will be temporarily poor people. There will not be a whole class, a whole substrata of society that is permanently impoverished. Now, both of these Mephoshim, besides saying very interesting ideas, they are both addressing this question that Pusik Dalit in and of itself, together with the three Psukim immediately before it, is problematic. The problem is, how could the Pusik say there won't be any poor people after you just said, after you just spoke about lending money to poor people? And I believe that's what Rashi really is addressing also. When Rashi asks this question, well, the Halan Hawaimer, later in the Pasuk, later in Pasuk Yeralef, it says, there will not cease to be poor. I don't think that's his main kasha. His main kasha is, as he writes in his Dibur HaMaskel, as he writes in his heading, his main kasha is, how could the Pasuk say, you don't have to know any later psukim. You have to know the three psukim that came before it. Well, obviously, you just read those psukim. Even if you're picking up a chumash for the first time in your life. But those th three psukim, Aleph, Gimel, and Beis, uh, Aleph, Beis, and Gimel, you just read. If that's all you know, Pasuk Dalit is difficult. How could it say there won't be any poor? And what is Rashi's? Here, where Rashi seems to be asking a question, he's really giving the answer. He's saying, you know how I will answer this question? I won't just use my own mind as the Rashbam and the Chizkuni do. I'm going to use Chazal. I'm going to go to the Midrash. This is, comes from the Midrash Sifri. I'm going to go into the Midrash, and I'm going to see if there's something that the rabbis in the Midrash said that can be applied to answer this question. And in fact, he found it. The Midrash really asks the same question as Rashi, but in its own style. Instead of asking how does Pasuk, instead of talking about how Pasuk Dalit contradicts Pasuk Gimel Beis and Aleph, the Midrash talks about how Pasuk Dalit contradicts Pasuk Yud Aleph. Perhaps the reason the Midrash does it that way is because the two Psukim are so similar yet opposite. Pasuk Dalit says, there will not be an Evyoin. And Pasuk Aleph says, there will be an Evyoin. Evyoin, Evyoin. They're saying the same words, but, it, but one puts in the word low, and one, one says there will, and one says there won't. That's how the Midrash phrases the question. And the answer that the Midrash gives is that it depends. If we do the will of Hashem, then you're right. It will not be necessary at all to lend money to people and to then forgive the loans every seventh year, because there won't be anybody who needs a loan. Everybody will have sufficient funds and sufficient 
resources for himself. If, however, if, however, we do not, uh, have, uh, we do not do the will of Hashem, so then, yes, it will be necessary to lend some people money because they don't have enough for themselves, and it will be necessary to have laws to tell us how to treat those loans, specifically to forgive them every seventh year. I think we have here a very uh, interesting um, illustration of these two principles of Rashi that I discussed. And I think we have a very interesting illustration of some of the differences between Rashi's uh, derech, Rashi's style of interpretation, and for example, that of the Rashbam. The Rashbam uses his own logic. He says, how do I deal with this? I have free psukim talking about lending money to poor people. And then the next Pesach says there won't be any poor people. So he says, he uses his own mind. He says, it must mean that if I follow the laws correctly, and I am willing to forgive the loan every seventh year, there will not be in you, you yourself will not become poor. Rashi was certainly just as capable, capable of using his own mind as anyone else, but Rashi's style of interpretation is to look for an answer to the questions in the Midrash and in the Gemara. And he found in the Midrash, where the Midrash asks a related question, not exactly the question he was dealing with, but a related question, and the answer that the Midrash gives answers his own personal question also, and therefore he quotes the Midrash. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash